Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt podcast? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. I don't know what today is. Take a week off and everything goes to shit. (laughs) Apparently, you take a day off and everything goes to shit. Oh my gosh. I'm just totally. You're on a struggle bus with all our technical stuff here. Lost in the sauce. Oh. We're coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast Studio. If you haven't heard of or don't know the OKS Hunter, you're living under a rock. And you should go check out OKSHunter.com. If you like what you see, you can buy some merch, W2H Podcast, for 10% off. And they just launched a fishing line, the OKS Fisher. I know it's not hunting, but a lot of hunters hunt. <laughs> a lot of hunters fish, a lot of fishers hunt. There you go. All right. Can I get anything right today, Greg? You'll, you're going to try. Woof. All right. Check out Backwoods Grind. They make coffee. They just had their, they released a new um, flavor, the Pinoti. Pinoti. Thank you, there you go. for not letting me mess that up. Do you know more about that? Other than it, uh, it's promoting conservation towards turkeys. Um that's really about it. Six dollars and fifty cents a bag goes to directly to the the National Turkey National Turkey Federation. Federation. See, I'm just off the ball today, guys. Um, oh, pretty cool. We've been drinking their coffee for, geez, two or three years now. We've been drinking it longer, but yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. I wonder how many bags I've gone through. I a bet lot. you they could tell me. I should ask. It's been a lot. We've driven some people there, so if you haven't tried their coffee, you can get like a sampler pack. Um, they have a ton of different blends, including the Pinoti. <laughs> Pinoti blend. <laughs> the only thing I have to say, Pinoti. Right, there you go. Uh, and then, you know, be sure to check out Spartan Forge, SpartanForge.ai. Uh, they are the ones that sponsor our live video call-in. So any guests you see on screen with us, um, they're the ones that make that happen for us, as well as our call-in number. So, you know, you can call into the show, whatever you're comfortable with. If you want to join via video, you can do that. You can call in. We want to have a two-way conversation with our guests. This is not just our podcast. It's your podcast. It's the podcast for the people, the hunters. So check out SpartanForge.ai. You can use code W2H for 20% off. And I recommend getting on there as soon as possible. I've been saying that for a few weeks now because they're making some major, major updates. Um, and they're going to drop this summer. And when they do, the cost of their app is going to increase for access because it costs a lot of money to do that kind of stuff. I should know because we have the Where to Hunt app. It's not cheap. I I'm, I will tell you. Um, so go check those guys out. And uh, if you don't know what they are, they're a data-driven model that helps you predict deer movement as well as how a deer is going to navigate and negotiate a piece of terrain. And their new features are coming soon. I won't say a word about that. My lips are sealed. You got to just stay tuned and 
they look in. They did put out a new screen chat video thing um, to showcase kind of the new stuff for a teaser. So check out their Instagram. And uh, I'm not drinking drop time today. I do drink it every Tuesday. I just am drinking some scotch that my dad got me that I really like. This is a Benrock, the Smoky 12. It is delicious. So been on the bourbon train with drop time. Love those guys. Uh, I got some bottles in here still that I'll drink up, but just switch up for a week. It's delicious. So really what you're trying to tell us is that you drank it all, you're out of it, and that's I'm waiting the next thing. I'm just you know, I trying it. to hold you, on to it. You can't fool a fooler. Uh-huh. I forget how many bottles come in a case. I think six. You we crushed packed. all six. Well, I didn't. I brought some to Deer Camp. It wasn't just oh, me. Oh, yeah. Deer yeah. Camp. That, that did a number on it. Anyway, sure. hey, guys, we're tech. <laughs> chatting and talking i can't say my words we're chatting with uh bo martonic today with the east meets west hunt podcast we're gonna bring bo on and we're gonna see what he's got going on hey what up, bo? how's it going guys hey it's good hey bo thanks for joining us today sorry for all of our technical hoo-ha <laughs> no i was just saying this is a pretty cool uh this restream here to be able to to go live with it and everything it's it's you're definitely more tech savvy than i am that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, some days you could say that, other days, yeah, not. You should see what goes on behind the scenes here. A lot of swears happen, you know, in tech land over here. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of your stuff for a few years now. I think your podcast launched in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, so I think, tell us about, like, where you're from. I like the fact that it's East meets West, so I'm curious. Are you living in the East and then hunting in the West or hunting in both? Uh, kind of tell us how you got your start, where you're coming from with all this. Yeah. So I'm from a small town in North central Pennsylvania. And basically I, I had, I'd been hunting whitetails, turkeys, bears, everything else in the Appalachian mountains of Pennsylvania my whole life. And wanted to start hunting out West and just was kind of overwhelmed uh, with trying to plan it and kind of thought it was just for people that had a lot of money. I just watched, you know, the outdoor channel and stuff at the time. And then as I started discovering people on social media and, and videos on YouTube and seeing how you can do it yourself, it really was appealing to me. So I just planned my first hunt and made so many mistakes and everything. And, and, and there was a bunch of resources. Podcasts were just starting to get big at that time frame. It was like 2016. And I realized that there was a gap, even though there was a lot of really good information on Western hunting, that there was a gap from the new people like myself, and I wanted to learn more about it. So I figured might as well throw a mic on some people that know a lot more than I do and ask the questions that maybe others, you know, from the East and Midwest would have about Western hunting. And then it kind of just transitioned a little bit more than that and just overall adventure hunting and, and there, because there's so many opportunities also in the east and the south and the midwest and other areas um to be able to go out and and plan you know long weekend hunts weeks week-long hunts things like that and and really you know a lot of my focus where i spend most of my time is in pennsylvania and in ohio and these places here throughout the the Appalachian region, hunting whitetails in uh, big timber type areas. So that's kind of the the gist of where that came from and how I, how I got started with it. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been at it since technically 2013, I think. So you've um, been at it. Well, I say we collectively, but like we, me, and it's never just been me. You know, it's always been like my wife or whatever she supports me. But 
Um, the game has changed a lot since 2013. The entry point to get into podcasting is you, know, you can go down on Anchor and you can do it from your phone tonight if you wanted to. You know, it's totally different. You're right about it picking up right about in 2016, 2017. Yep. It's crazy. We're really curious about Western hunts. I have not done one. We were planning one uh, up until, uh, you know, my wife and I got pregnant. We're expecting our third kid in September. So that got botched. That's the reason. So cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows. <laughs> I've been really <laughs> waiting to tell everyone, like, why aren't you doing your elk hunt? Well, yeah, I can't leave my wife with a newborn baby and two other kids that are, you know, all two years apart. So he's just, an excellent planner. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, and I'm, I obviously, you know, we met through, uh, Bill Thompson with Spartan Forge and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm curious, you know, as a Western hunter, um, if you're using that app or out East, you know, we're in the Midwest here in Wisconsin. So, you know, we've been, Greg and I've been tinkering with it and using it. Um, there's a lot of great features on there. Like the historical wind data, I think is fantastic. Um, obviously like the predictability when they're going to be on hoof, the average deer, um, that's fantastic. I was able to like, look at that and I told my wife, I'm going hunting right now. Uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon, I left my, my, you know, clocked out of the day job and went and I killed a buck. Um, now I wouldn't say that's exclusive because of his app, but that certainly played a part. You know, I was like, look, 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 this is it. You know, this is the day. Um, so how are you, are you using it out there? I would imagine as well. Yeah. And it's funny the way you said, you know, you said that about, you know, you leaving and to go hunt and you killed a buck and stuff. I feel like a lot of it is uh, a, a lot of hunting in general is a mental game and having that confidence and if just being able to to have something that helps give you that confidence to go out when the conditions are right or when it's predicting movement. I mean, that just puts you in a different mindset in the game. And for me, I, um, I started using it like the end of November, kind of the beginning of December, and just playing around with it and mostly – comparing it up against my trail camera data because it was kind of towards the end of my hunting season. And, uh, it's, I was very skeptical and I told Bill this and almost like, I just, I almost didn't want to try it cause I was kind of pretty skeptical about it. And so far I've been very, very impressed with it. And so you kind of alluded to some of the things that are, that are going to be coming from them. And it's, it's really mind blowing. It's, it's uh, pretty game changing type stuff. So I'm, and I don't say that much about technology when it comes to hunting, although we all use it quite a bit. This is something that's pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it's cool. And if you, anyone that ever gets to know Bill, you'll know why it's going to be successful because he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's going to make it successful. That's just how he is. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's so intelligent. He, uh, he's extremely intelligent and very driven too. You know, he's very results driven. He's very data driven. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's no doubt in my mind, he's going to make this, you know, hundred times better as it keeps developing. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so you had, you got to hunt with uh, one of our friends, Johnny Stewart this past season, uh, out in Pennsylvania where I'm not like jealous, but I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Like, I'm so yeah. excited to meet some of these guys. And we've had Greg Litzinger on, like, I don't know, three or four times. He's the salt of the earth. Super humble guy. Always both of them help. guys. Johnny, they both Johnny right. too. Like, I've got an open invitation twice now from Johnny. Dude, come on out. I'll, I'll, let's hunt. Let's go. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not nowhere near the level he is as far as I'm concerned when it comes to killing big deer. But for him to reach out and be that kind of person... I think Greg Litzinger's that way too. He's awesome. I I really enjoy yeah. the content those guys put out and what you put out too. It's it's fun watching you guys. 
Yeah, thank you. And J- Johnny is the most selfless person that you could ever meet. Literally, he cares more about helping someone else than than himself. And you know, I, I feel like that's something that people might say. He shows it. Like he very, it's very apparent. And um, I've, I've known Johnny now for five years or so. Um, I remember he followed me on Instagram well before I had the podcast and everything. And he, um, I looked at his profile and he just had these pictures of this his old Jeep with just sheds laying all across the hood. And I'm like, man, and he said something about big wood stuff. I'm like, that's pretty incredible. And we started chatting back and forth on messenger and then found out he was in the same area that that i live in and we met up one day in the woods he was checking cameras and told me where he was at and i went and met up with him and since then he's been coming to my family's camp every year during the fall hangs out become good friends with all my family members and just always always around and now i've been like lucky to hunt with him a, a bunch of times and he's He's so intelligent and just thinks of things from a, a completely different perspective than anyone I've ever met. And it's, it's, uh, it, you could, when you, when he talks, I mean, I just wish I could just take in everything that he's, that he's saying because it's, it's, it's very, very good. Definitely a, a true conservationist. I mean, people think conservationists, they think someone there to, to save the species or, um, you know, do good things for, for the habitat and i'm sure he does all that but he's also doing a good job of trying to help people learn and he's not mm-hmm. afraid to sacrifice you know his time in the woods to to help people and that's that's not something that happens very often no no he, he's taught me a lot with that because i mean I think just about any of us as hunters can be extremely selfish at times and, and, you know, want to keep things to ourselves and, and everything. And he's just, like I said, the complete opposite of that. And it was funny, his, this, this past year, his, well, I guess this is his fiance now had said, uh, said to him, he was, you know, he had like three people hunt with him and all kill bucks and he hadn't killed anything yet. And she's like, when are you going to bring something home? He's like, I'm not done yet. I just want to keep hunting. <laughs> and that's a lot of it too. I mean, I I could have shot bucks early on, but they weren't what I wanted to shoot. And, you know, part of it's, it, it's great to be tagged out, but it's also fun to hang in there to the very end. I mean, I, I tried to do that every year, even if I got doe tags to fill, I'll hunt the last day of our archery season, freezing my butt off in January. I don't care. I just, I just like being out there. You don't want to yep. see it end too fast. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. It's and you know, and there's there's points like throughout the season as it gets longer and you're struggling or whatever it might be. You know, I, I feel like I always have some good opportunities early that I choose to pass on, and then all of a sudden I hit a dry spell and I'm like, did I make a mistake? Oh no, you know, you start questioning yourself, and it always pans out the way it's supposed to, I guess, from that standpoint. And and you, when you hunt the whole season you learn so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. That eight I missed, um, on that public property you had me on, I thought that was my only opportunity and I was, I just whiffed it, I, but I still, I was so confident that no, I was so we, perplexed. We, yeah. And we picked up and went to another property cause we yep. knew that spot was spent and yep. we, I put you in another couple of areas where I thought eyes deer were moving and you had eyes on bucks and you had another pretty close call and it didn't happen, but you, 
persevered and you took it upon yourself to go put your out put yourself out there in another spot all by yourself and you figured it out you got it done and i was, i just couldn't believe it i was like Whatever, I've heard this effing story too many damn times because it's the only one I got basically at this point. <laughs> some, some small eight, but, but I was just so in disbelief. I'm standing over a dead deer looking at it and going, is it really dead? Did this actually happen? Is that really a buck? <laughs> uh, and my wife was super thrilled because she's like, does that mean you're done now? I'm like, yes, yes, I'll be done now. Until um, gun season. <laughs> yeah, until gun season. And I shot a doe with my gun. So that was, oh man, I, I, you know, I love bow hunting. It's a very intimate um romantic kind of hunt and but gun there's something about sniping a freaking deer man i just it's a whole different ball game and i love the camaraderie that you get there it's totally different than the ninja kind of approach you take with a bow it is it's um so i i had for the most part i bow hunted only for the last like i don't know i was like five or six years in a row i never even picked up a rifle and then the last couple of years i had to I didn't fill my bow tag and it was going into rifle season. And I always looked at it as a negative thing, but just because of the amount of people that were in the woods. And, but I, I came to love it again because I got to change up some things. I hunted differently. I, during rifle season, I didn't hunt from a tree stand at all. I just hunted off the ground. It's still hunting some different things that just, it brought out a whole different type of fun. And then just the, the camp aspect and being around a bunch of people and telling stories and hanging out. I mean, that's my favorite part when it comes to, to gun hunting and, and uh, yeah, I've, I've really come to enjoy the different seasons more so than before where I felt like, ah, oh, I just, I like bow hunting, like hunting the rut and things like that. And it's, uh, it, it's definitely changed my perspective a little bit. It's one of those things where I say, maybe others say this too, but I always say when we, it's the same group of guys and we, we tack on one or two different people that, you know, kind of interchange throughout the years. We've been at it for 10 years now as a solid group. Um, I've been doing it longer with my dad, but we've kind of built onto this group and the woods come to life when we show up there. Like we get there and we're in the woods. We're tracking the same damn stuff every year. Nothing's changed. It's public land, but we're like, remember when the buck came here? Remember when I'd hit the deck because you had to shoot the two bucks chasing the doe? Like, and suddenly everything just starts to come to life. Like you can actually picture these holograms of these ghosts in the woods from years past and these stories light up and then we get and play cards and we drink the whatever drop time this year and whatever, you know, swill that's laying around there, probably bush lattes. <laughs> and it's just a different experience. And now that I'm a dad of going to be three kids and two kids or currently, I don't have a lot of time with these guys. So come deer camp, it's like a reunion, you know, it's totally, yeah. it's, it's just such a great experience. One that I've come to cherish so much. Um, as I'm like, you know, I'm not old, but I'm getting older. It's a good, I don't know, just like, uh, that's the, that, and, and by the way, um, did you see you guys, I don't know if you follow the, uh, Whitetail Legacy, um, podcast. I do. Mm-hmm. They just re- released like a new kind of brand flavor, a hundred percent, uh, gun or whatever. hundred yeah. percent. What is it? Gun hunter or something like yeah. that. Yeah. They got like a new thing. So Cody so- Jenkins, high fence, Cody is his nickname. Um, he, loves gun hunting and he's like, you know, gun hunting is getting like a bad rap. It shouldn't be. Let's like do something about it. So he put out a new thing. I think it's really cool. Plenty of guys go out and miss tons of deer every Mm -hmm. year with guns. They could have the best rifle, the best ammunition and still not hit a damn thing. Yeah, it's true. Hey, I I did it this year. I, I missed, I missed a buck before I shot mine, not the same day, but uh, about a week earlier at, 
about 60 yards. Like, I don't know what happened. I, I, I'm not sure if I hit a branch or I just completely missed or what. It's not a, it's not a for sure thing. That's no, it never is. I no, I definitely bumped, isn't. I bumped my target buck that I'm very much obsessed with. It's definitely going to be the biggest deer I ever kill. If you, got I name, ever, you got a name for him? No, I don't name him. Come on. No, I don't, I don't on own the him. spot. What would you call him? Deer. The big 10. The big, yeah. The big 10, the big 14, the big 21, whatever he is. He's yeah. He's meat, man. But you know, I watched him. I heard him get up. I watched him blast through all this tag alder and cattail. And I had my rifle with, which rifle, 30 caliber rifle should be able to bust through stuff, but I couldn't see him through the scope. He was moving so quick. But if I had my 12 gauge, I could have probably thrown through slug, two slugs at him at least and had a chance. So I thought, well, I'm going to walk the open edge of this. If, if I bump something out, it might come running out in the open. Well, it didn't. He, he went right for the thick stuff, and I should have known better. But, oh well, is what it is. I got to put eyes on him. I got a lot of camera f- So it's uh, like the M&M commercial, he does exist. Oh, yeah. 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 I got <laughs> to see him in person and really, truly appreciate how big he was. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Bo, you, you got to hunt with Johnny. You talked to him being selfless, and I think we know that to be true. Um, he's, he's just a cool dude. Um, but you, you got a monster buck. And the footage that comes to mind, you know, that's acutely soldered in my brain is you dragging that thing through the river. Um, you know, tell us what happened, man. Like, what? how did that all kind of transpire? Yeah, so we were up at uh, my grandfather's camp and there's my dad and my uncles and Johnny, myself, we were sitting there having a few beers and talking about our game plan. And everybody at camp was tagged out at that point, except for me and Johnny. And uh, we were like, all right, what, um, what's your plan? And we were going back and forth and I was going to one of my spots. He was going to one of his and he's like, why don't we just hunt together and you know, have fun with it and see what happens. He's like, I, I got a spot we can go and, and I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, let's, let's try something different. And my dad's like, yeah, I'll go along with you too and, and help and see if we, if I can, um, if you need us, me to do a little bump drive or something else to, to be able to help out. I'm like, all right, that'd be cool. Let's do it. And, and so next day we just went out and um, <clears throat> we started going to these, this spot. This one spot Johnny was, was hunting was just, it was pretty big country, big steep hills and, and um, my dad would, we were setting up and there was a bunch of hunters putting on drives on the tops of the hills. And uh, so we went off to, off the side on the steep side hills and there wasn't anybody down there. We're figuring if they bumped any deer off the top, they'd be down there and, and uh, just seemed to live on those side hills in general. So my dad came around and he did this little drive and, and it didn't, uh, we didn't see a deer. We didn't see a single deer. And he's like, I can't cover this entire hillside. You know, it's, it's, it was, it was pretty tough. And, and, uh, we were thinking about it, like, maybe we should, you know, split up and do something different and still hunt or whatever. And Johnny's like, let's go. I got, I got one other spot on this other ridge. We could see it across the valley, but we ended up going up and, and driving and coming around because we figured that, uh, the bucks might've been bedded out on this point based off of, previous knowledge that that johnny had and uh we went and went to set up and johnny set up right at the top edge where it crested over it got kind of steep and i went down off out of sight and was down on the lower third of the the hill and i set up right on the edge of this thick like 
hem, a group of hemlock trees that were out on this point. And my dad started like a mile and a half away, I mean, way further away than um, if, if he were to kick anything up, it wasn't coming our direction until he got closer. And um, he was just quietly walking through. It wasn't like, you know, screaming or doing anything like that. It was just a um, more of kind of like a wind bump type drive. And he came around and I was just, I was sitting there, I was looking and I was only 20 yards from these hemlocks. I'm like, I might be too close. I should have got where I could see a little bit better. And I, I caught a flash of a, just a little piece of a beam that was coming out or at the time I didn't know that's what it was, but I saw that and I was like, it looks like an antler. And I pull up my gun and all of a sudden this absolute monarch of a deer steps out at 20 yards, fills up my whole scope. And <laughs> I about dropped the gun right there. And, uh, and he was, he was basically facing straight on hard quarter and two. And I put it right on his chest and shot and he mule kicked up and, before he had a chance to fall, I put another one in him and he died right there. It was, uh, <laughs> I didn't, like I said, when I saw him come out, I knew he was huge. And then I walked up to him and I about, I about passed out. And I called Johnny because he was up, like I said, above me a little bit. And I said, I just shot this giant deer. And he's like, is it the big nine? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he's like, I haven't seen him on camera in two months. And he had cameras all over, like right in that area. And that deer had disappeared, but he was living there the whole time. Well, at least he was that day. And, uh, and, uh, he was so excited. I mean, like, you know, this is a, uh, a deer, which I have the, I should be getting results back on the teeth here shortly, but the taxidermist figured he was between nine and 10. What? Um, yeah. So it was Holy super clear. Then the first time actually John, there's a little backstory on that. The first time Johnny got photos of this deer was in 2017. Um, he had just started hunting this area and he actually forgot that he left a camera up. So it was spring of 2018. He was scouting and he found his camera that he left and he didn't have a way to check the card and he was coming to my house anyway. So he plugged it in the computer and this deer is on there. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a really good deer. And he was moving in late season out around that point. And uh, there were some oaks also. Like right where I was sitting was in some big oaks and right on the edge of that thick stuff. And he um, – so there was like a whole backstory on that that specific deer. And it was funny because he looked at it the first time at my house. And and uh, it that was so cool. And th- so that, that's where – part of the story ends, but where another one begins. So the deer's down and we're celebrating and so excited. And I was like, all right, I'm going to cut them up and uh, we'll pack them out. Cause we were ways down off this hill and it was, it would be a terrible drag up and, and then probably a mile across the top to get back to the truck. And he's like, no, we got to get the whole thing back to camp. You don't want to, you don't want to cut it up. We got to show it, hang it at the meat pole and show everybody. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, John, I don't want to drag this thing out there. It'd be so much easier to cut it up. He's like, we can go down and we can cross the river. And I'm like, when I was in here with you and Greg in the fall, I, I came in to help Greg had shot a deer and I, I came to help him. And I was like, I had to use hip waders. Like it was pretty deep. He's like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Like, all right. <laughs> we'll be fine. He's like, Close I know. He, he already knows what's going to happen. And you're like, yeah, so we'll be fine. Be, all right. Actually, he had no idea. That was the thing. He just, 
blindly said, let's do this. And him and my dad went and got the truck and I drug it all the way down off the mountain and down to the creek. And I, or, yeah, I say creek, there's a river. And we get down there and I'm like. Was it like a sandy bottom river, or like stone or muck? Like what was it? Um, it was muck on the sides and stone in the in the okay. center of it. Yeah, lucky then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was really lucky because I get up to it, and this thing's like a, I don't know, at least 70, 80 yards wide um, at the point where we were at there. I'm like, this is – and I had a pair of, like, over boots. They're, they're like – I can't remember the brand, but they're like wiggies. They're almost like a garbage bag goes over top of your boots, and I had them in my truck. And I said, Johnny, you throw those on. I'll just – go across and he's like okay well they ended up leaking on him anyways which was kind of funny but uh <laughs> so i tied the, i tied the deer to my belt loop with paracord that's smart so you had to go it. swim after it yeah the river was flowing pretty good and i was like if i lose this deer i'm going with it like yeah. that's that's all that goes on so i tied it up and i uh, i gave johnny all my gear and started going across and it just started getting deeper and deeper and it was up at one point it was at my waist as I was going across, it was like pulling me down. <laughs> it was, it was you uh, yourself, like a pep talk. It, You're like, all right, all right, this is going to be yeah, fucking cold. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was below freezing. And so I was just like, yeah, you know, it takes your breath away, especially when it hits, you know, the bottom end of your crotch there. And as it comes up, I was, I was, uh, struggling a little bit, but, um, needed help getting up over the bank. Cause my legs just didn't want to work. They were so cold. Um, and we got it up and then, drug it up to the the road there and it was it's funny because like you know don't want um anybody to really see where you're at so took took my truck and had i can't remember oh, I, I yeah I, I pulled my truck in real fast and you hurry up and threw it up over the guardrail you know and, and picked it up and ran basically with it and threw it in the back of my truck hurried up closed it jumped in and took off you know so no one would see us coming down the road there fire drill yeah it was it was pretty funny and then yeah then i went home and showered and changed and we went back to camp that night and there was a ton of people that showed up and just yeah i had well we all had a very very good night let's put it that way i was the next day when i was skinning it i wasn't feeling too hot (laughs) (laughs) oh man i bet had to celebrate dude that's awesome i uh the whole like get it in the truck without anyone seeing when I got my deer this past season, my buddy Joel was with me and he's like, and we can't see where we're going We're on this property. We've never been on before. And we ended up getting into like some small, like pond kind of, we're walking into that. We're like, dude, we, this isn't going to work. We got to turn our headlamps on. He's like, no, no, we're not turning our headlamps on. We don't want to, we don't want anyone to know we're here. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, good point. So we, we did it in like pitch black. We don't, we don't know where the hell we were going. Yeah, animal. Exactly. And you always gotta you always gotta park on the opposite side of the road. I'm actually giving too much information here, but you gotta park <laughs> on the opposite side of the road than where you're going, so people think you're on the other side. Yeah, throw I, off I the scent a little. Of my truck is extremely, extremely recognizable, and that's screwed me more than once. I need to get a secondary vehicle that's like I don't know a Subaru Outback, and I'll put some like Patagonia stickers on it. And <laughs> don't give that away. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't give that away. Yeah, Greg's got a, a Subaru. You shut up. It's <laughs> the second vehicle. <laughs> yeah, I got I got stickers on my back window. But, but the funny thing about us is like we got the OKS Hunter sticker on there, so they know if they see our vehicle, we ain't shooting shit. <laughs> well, there's a reason I'm not taking the pickup truck to my destination this weekend. So uh-huh. I'm gonna make sure I have like Autobahn Society stickers all over it. 
there you go wait so wait what uh what's the make and model color of your vehicle license plate number <laughs> it's red <laughs> and it says i break for raccoons <laughs> my wife break for a bird the other day I was like what are you doing it's like she's like it's a bird I almost hit it it's like no one cares about the bird it's funny if you hit them they hit the windshield and they go bonk and then that's it it's like no it's fine <laughs> that's funny both threw me through the windshield trying to break for a bird <laughs> a dove nonetheless I think it was morning dove <sighs> I tell you. hey they're tasty though so that's a pretty cool story what yeah. what did you shoot it with what, what gun were you using and scope I was using a uh, Bergera 300 Win Mag um, and then uh, a Maven RS2 scope on there. So it was a pretty deadly combination there and and uh, probably a little bit overgun for, for Whitetails. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I shoot a 300 Win also only because it's it's my first rifle. You know, I go into a long story of why, but short, short term of it is... Dad and I were supposed to go elk hunting out west. It never happened. It's the only rifle yet. I own. It hasn't happened right. yet. Well, and I want to Sorry go for delaying bullet. it, but, but anyway. Uh, 300 Win Mag, shoot a 180 grain bullet. You can eat right up to the hole. It doesn't destroy as much meat as a 150 hmm. grain 30 out 6 bullet. I'm That's telling so you right true, now. too. It really? is. It's true. Yep. Yeah, I blasted the doe that I got this past gun season, my 30 out 6. Which I have a Remington 700. I shoot a Nikon Monarch scope on there. Uh, my buddy shoots a Vortex, which is actually really nice, by the yeah, way. I got a Vortex on my 300 win. But I got the the, the Monarch because if someone had, had said, who was more experienced than me at the time when I bought this thing, I was still a stupid young kid. And he's like, well, if you ever want to go out west, get this scope so you can get more out of the gun. And I was like, well, that is part of my plan. So hopefully it serves me well at that point. But um, I blasted the rib cage. There's bone chart chart everywhere. Like there's just bone travel all over the place. It was like grainy. You could feel it as you're gutting it. I was like, geez. Yeah, yeah. The 300 Win Mag people go, oh, it's over gun. It use the right bullet, and honestly, that's a gun that can do just about everything hmm. with yep. just a little more ass behind it than a not six. Not nothing wrong with not six. Oh, I've sure. shot plenty yeah. of deer with it, and I love that gun. Yeah, but the 300 Win Mag, if you're going to pick a one for all, that's really not a bad gun. There's a one for all. And what what yeah. action is yours? What's that? What action is it? That's a bold action. Bolt action. God, yeah. I love bolt action. There's yeah, just something about it, man. You feel like a fucking sniper. It's awesome. My yeah, dad's like, my, oh, my I... brother. My brother is actually a gunsmith, and he's a big gun guy, and I'm more of a bow guy. And like, so I rely on him for all information when it comes. To that. I said, hey, if I were to pick one caliber that I could go out west, I can go to Alaska. I can go, yeah, any type of hunting basically what is a good all-around caliber and he's like 300 win mag he's like and you can load it up you can load caliber. it up. yeah you can get it anywhere you know you well maybe not right now but normally no. you can get it <laughs> anywhere you can go to a, a gas station out west and find 300 win mag cartridges and they thought and they thought obama was a good gun salesman biden did oh it was biden it was the pandemic well, that's dude. right that's right Anyway, and everybody freaking out. Just yeah, I've been seeing like all the memes of like you know, food dispensers, but there's bullets in it. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. How, I don't know about you guys, but how many people that are quote unquote ammo salesmen on on Instagram have been hitting you up to follow you and want you to follow them back? Oh yeah, that knife people. Tons. All yeah, these all knives. The Do you all get the that? Time. The knife people like, where? Well, I don't need a freaking yeah. knife, man. Yeah. I don't know where the hell you're making that shit from. It's probably garbage. Get out of here with your knife. <laughs> 
there's a lot of knife manufacturers Why are there now. So many knife manufacturers, knife and and <laughs> under the table ammo guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Instagram, all that stuff. So yeah. By the way, like, are you? Where are? Where? Where can everyone? Like, we're not getting to that point just yet. We still got time in front of us. But I'm just curious. Like, where are you putting most of your efforts? Uh, for like exposing well, what you're doing, all the efforts that you're doing, all the content that you have. Are you Instagram, Facebook, TikTok? Where are you finding um, you're putting stuff? Well, first I tried TikTok and uh, they kept taking down all my videos. So I oh, kind of gave up on that. Um, <laughs> and uh, But mostly Instagram. Um, I, I use that and Facebook, but I'm more, I, I like, I'm more interactive on Instagram and everything. I don't, I don't really check my Facebook messages that much. Just Instagram just is so much easier to use. I like the platform better. So I use it there. I have both my personal page, which is just at bo.martonic, and then my business page, which is all the podcast stuff and video stuff that goes up at, at East Meets West Hunt. So I have both of those. And, and then um, then I put all my video content on YouTube, uh, which is just under my name, Bo Martonic, And then... Uh, then the podcast is really anywhere that you can find that. That's awesome. You know, yeah. uh, a buddy of ours, Brad Luttrell, uh, he runs Go Wild. That's been a pretty yep. cool platform where you're not going to get jettisoned off of there for posting something. It's really all outdoorsmen and women uh, are free to post whatever they want to some even within limits. I, but you're not going to get kicked off for posting a picture of a deer or something like that, like you would, or shooting a bow. Like on TikTok, you can't even shoot your bow at a freaking target 3d target yeah yeah like come on guys this is ridiculous it's a fucking piece of foam i can shoot my bow at this without it getting taken down but nope but but it's okay for girls to dance with their nipples basically showing like come on yeah i mean i'm not arguing that but i, I just want <laughs> to be able to put my hunting stuff up too. Right, right. <laughs> and i i do use go wild too actually i i had um i'd met brad a few years ago and um I, I think that platform's really cool and nice to my brother and he had a this gunsmithing page and on Instagram and he got really fed up with just social media in general and was like, I'm gonna delete all this stuff and his page is doing really well and I was like it's like you gotta find a way to still utilize it and help your business and everything and, and I told him about Go Wild and he's been using that and seeming to to really like it and it's a good community over there. You you, you get you get like minded folks that are are like really rooting for you over there. It's a cool space. Yeah, it is. I haven't had I haven't had any negative interactions right. on there at all. Not at all. My only gripe is that it feels like I'm you know punching a time card for work login activities. I, but other than that, it's fantastic. Wouldn't <laughs> that be great if we could uh, punch a time clock that way? Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. And if Brad wrote me a check, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Brad, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's good stuff. Um, you know, and so what what are what's on the doc? I mean, as far as what you can tell us, I'm sure that maybe you're working on some things that are you know maybe below the radar or what have you, because you've done some pretty cool stuff. You've done some work with Sitka. We were talking before we hit the record button. Um, you're working with Jim Hole a little bit. I think, my God, I watched that video. Um, that guy would rip me to shreds as the okayest hunter. I'm just saying. Like I, we got, we got content for days that I could send that guy and it would probably make a spine itch. Oh yeah, no, me too. But like, I, I just went into it. I'm like, I'm thinking the way I, my uh, scent control regimen and everything else is not even close to what this guy is. Like he'd make us every morning. We had to go out 
all of our clothes hung outside and it was, it got down to negative 20 at times. And I mean, everything, your socks, everything except your underwear were outside and go out there in the more, Oh, it was terrible to throw that on and get up in there and, you know, be super quiet and everything. And, and he made, he actually gave us a test of climbing up a tree and hanging a lone wolf stand and you couldn't make a single noise and you had to do it. I don't know. It was like three times before he'd even let us hunt. And, um, and he's standing there critiquing, using too much energy. You're doing this, you're going to sweat, you're going to, you know, but what that it did, it taught me so much. Now, am I, am I at a, a point right now where I'm, I'm hanging my underwear outside and walking out in the cold? No, but I've learned so much about silencing things and other stuff that you can really pull from it. And he's, taught me so much about being able to how to just get really close to deer and set up in places that you're you're really utilizing bow hunting to its finest yeah maybe able to shoot 60 yards 70 yards in the yard but being able to get to that 15 yard mark on a deer and stuff is just I, I've learned so much about that stuff from him so there's was, there's was a lot of really good takeaways from from that hunt specifically that's pretty cool I think that's awesome. I mean, I've learned a bit from Greg, honestly, you know, about stuff and, and other people I've hunted with a, a couple of different folks throughout the last couple of years. The podcast has got me, you know, to be able to hunt with some other people. And, and they're like, oh, dude, you're nope, nope, nope. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, this is fine. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, no, I'm getting I'm getting beat up about it a little bit. You know, my poor dad, he, he gave me this old tree stand. And oh, here we go. I think it's fine, and it's not fine. No, it's not. <laughs> so no, I, it's not. <laughs> that should be hung on the wall and let collect an artifact. I should put it behind. Yeah, I got a hook that's over all here. you should do with it. That's funny. <laughs> the, the one thing I learned about hunting with Jim, and I, I knew this kind of going in. I was prepped for it. And it's like take anything that you know, or if you have any sort of ego going into it, and what you think, just completely cancel it out and go in there with an open mind and just listen, take it all in, you know? And, and I, I did that when I went in there and I'm thankful that I did, you know, I wasn't trying to think, Oh, you know, that's not how I would do it. Well, obviously this guy kills some giant white tails and knows a thing from his year two. So I'm going to take as much of it in as I can and, and just enjoy the experience. So it was, it was so cool. That place you could, when, when you're in a tree stand and it's so far north, it's up in the bow zone of Alberta that you could hear a crow's wings flapping at 150 yards across the field or a coyote would run at 300 yards and you could hear every footstep like it was right below your tree. It was, that it, that, I mean, that's another reason why silence is so important there, but it, it was incredible. Fantastic. That reminds me of the Boundary Water Canoe area, which is the, you know, the border of Minnesota, Northern Minnesota and Canada. We went fishing up there and, I've never, I've never experienced such a silent place in my life, let alone beautiful. Uh, so I can, I can relate to that a little bit. That and the, the Nicolay National Forest here in Wisconsin, you get far enough up there, and if it's snowed, it's it's desolate. You don't hear anything, man. There's nothing, and you don't hear the deer either, for that matter. Like I've had deer show up <laughs> underneath my stand. I'm like, where the fuck did you come from? And just, mm-hmm. they're just ghosts. It's crazy. So I can imagine, yeah, they're hearing anything you're doing. You make one, <clears throat> you know, like you hear some other hunter do clearing their throat or something or that one nose whiffle because you're you're just dripping snot everywhere we should talk about snot control what the hell are people doing with that you gotta get like a, a special freaking like handkerchief over your sleeve so you just you know wipe it off so you don't get your freaking clothes full of snot because you do 
this I, enough yeah. times you're you're what are you blowing you know are you blowing out are you dough what are you doing is that let's have a conversation after this let's figure out how to come up with a product and <laughs> okay. and a hunter's handkerchief and we'll there make we go. it go. i mean that should really be like come on guys i'm not wrong here you no, know you're no, sitting there I, and you just want to suck in that snot you just want to do it it's just it's and then you wipe it on your sleeve anyways your glove or whatever you got and then your gloves soaked with snot yeah, I'm not talking about from experience or anything, right? No, you know, just you know, just, just seeing other people saying. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> my wife only knew. Like, oh yeah, those, these clothes are so clean; they they smell like nature. <laughs> yeah, don't sniff, don't sniff the, the sleeve. Well, and if you sniff it too close, you might scratch your face from all that snot that hardened exactly. up. Exactly. Well, and Greg, Greg got me into merino wool. I dropped a pretty pre- a pretty penny on merino wool last year. Um, that stuff doesn't hold a scent at all. No, that stuff's crazy. Impressive, and it, it's wicking, and it's—I mean, it was a hundred dollars for for one bottom, a hundred dollars for one top. The stuff I got, it was top of the shelf shit, and I think the com- i can't remember what the company's called. It wasn't a traditional company. I went to Sherpers, which is a Wisconsin company here, and they had—I think it's called like thirty below or forty below—is the company. I don't know, but it's like what them. mountain mountain climbers use, you know. So it was like a couple echelons above just even deer hunting. Um, I was like, okay, this is the best stuff. I'll buy this. And there's other brands that cater to deer hunters, but I think it's a bit of a marketing kind of thing, right? To some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you what, just using performance clothes in general um, is is so nice, being comfortable. My dad was like one of the, he's the best hunter I know. And he used, you know, army BDU pants, that heavy cotton type stuff and whatever, you know, cotton thermals and everything else and just would layer up and and i got him to use some sick of gear i gave him some stuff and first he's like ah, i don't really need this and then next thing you know he's like hey um i was looking at this on their website you know what do you think and, and, and now he's, he's all decked out and he's like this is awesome just and you know it's just it's really cool to um it's just nice to be comfortable in it and the way i justified it when i started buying you know, high quality clothing back in 2013. And, and it was like, I just bought it piece at a time because it is expensive. So yep. it takes a while to build your system out. And man, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's something that definitely changed it for me. I, I spend so much time hunting and I want to enjoy it the, the best that I can. Well, I think you said it right. You said system. And we were talking with system. We were talking with Lone Wolf, uh, what, three or four weeks ago with Andre and we were talking about the the fact that they're stand in their sticks. It's a system. It's not just you go buy sticks or you go buy a stand and it's the best one. It's like it all works together. Yeah, mm-hmm. your clothing, your stand yep. and sticks, your rifle and your ammo, your scope, whatever it is, everything's a system. Even how you pack that stuff. Like yep. where do you keep your arrow? How do you how do you tack on your your arrows? Like it's it, the whole thing should be a system. There's a little bit you can carp carp. I can't say this damn word. Uh, compartmentalize. Uh, yep. different things but as a whole it should all excuse me work together and greg i know you are the most humble damn human being i've ever damn met but like you you have a great system like i i've i drove great. to greg's house i don't know countless times last season get ready in this garage we get in the truck but like sometimes you wouldn't but like you you knew what you were doing you had your clothes your gear you had the tote you had the stuff like it was all a system everything was packed a certain way because you'd spend the off season tinkering with these things and like refining and, and updating well and every year it's is very different impressive. too i mean I, I try to get better and more efficient every year and some years it does me good and some years it doesn't make a difference i still suck so 
<laughs> well, and you, what's what's so what I've learned about like building these systems, like in general, as far as gear is and being able to work more efficiently, efficiently, is that you reduce stress. So, like when you're doing something and something goes wrong, or like say you can't find something in your pocket, or you're climbing a tree and you're fumbling with stuff, and you start sweating, and then you start getting worked up, and that can that can kind of deter the experience a little bit, or maybe you get colder because you were sweating so bad. So being able to practice with that, now I, ha- I have everything in my my pack. Sounds like similar to you, Greg. Like that's I know where everything's at. I can get to it at any time when I need it. You know, I have say my gloves and my hat, my beanie in my left pocket. I have um, in my in my saddle. I'll have you know my lineman's rope in this pocket, and it's in order that I take it out. Is how I hang it on the tree. I roll it up nicely when I put it back in the opposite order. Everything's dialed. So when I'm doing things in the dark, I can do it literally with my eyes closed. So right. That it you turn to a creature of habit and that's what yep. you need to do. You need to be, you're hunting a creature of habit, right? Right. So you need to kind of be mindful of that. And the smoother you are, the quieter you're going to be and the less stressed out and the less sweated up you're going to be. And when you're all said and done, you're up there, you're not stressing so much. You're hanging in the tree, and you're waiting for something to happen. And the military says uh, slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. So, like, there you go. Which really just means you're gonna be more efficient if you if you just slow down, take your time, don't panic, like keep your shit together, and and you'll be able to methodically work your way through something. But that practice and that system is great. You know, when I missed that that deer last year, I climbed my backyard trees a handful of times and started shooting my bow because I was like, what the hell did I do wrong? You know, did I not did I not bend at the hips the oh, right way? We know what he did wrong. We could talk about that later. We don't know what I did wrong. Oh, I know a lot of what you did wrong. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I haven't said anything about this. I know I shot over Stand the I shot placement. Over. Uh yeah, we'll we'll talk about it later. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it was it was a uh, man. I was like, "What? I thought I hit it, maybe, and it ran off." And then I was like, "What? What the fuck happened?" You know, there's no blood, no hair, nothing. Uh, anyway, I'll still, I still. You, those are the ones you miss. You think about quite a bit, huh? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, I had a I had a hunt this year before. It was an archery season. I was sitting in a stand. It was October 30th, and things just didn't feel right. I had checked cameras scouting the day before and the scrapes weren't lit up like they normally would be at that time of year and just things i'm like i wonder you know they're moving a little earlier into like checking doe bedding areas and stuff i'm like i'm just gonna move and i just had this thing about one o'clock in the afternoon i climbed down packed up my stuff and just started still hunting up towards i didn't know exactly where i was going to set up i was just i knew where some does would bed and i was going to try to find a good spot close to it i get right up to the top and um as I move when I'm when I'm walking on the ground, I'll I'll do some blind calling, and I did a grunt and a bleat sequence, and I really don't think this had any effect to it. This is just what I did, but all of a sudden I heard this crashing and this doe came sprinting out of the woods with this four point behind her, and she almost ran me over. And but I could hear more, like so I could tell there was probably more bucks coming, so I went right to full draw, and the buck I was hunting, which was actually bigger than the one I shot came out and I stopped him at 15 yards with like a mouth grunt and I'm sitting there he's kind of in some brush I had to lean I get down on one knee and I was using that Garmin zero bow sight and I couldn't pick up the range with the brush and 
but the thing is, the bow sight's smarter than I am, and it was not no fault of the bow sights, but all I had to do is double tap the button on the front, and it pulls up your fixed pins. And it was so close, like, I probably didn't even need pins. I could have just, you know, I'd know kind of where they pop up, and I didn't shoot in that two seconds that he stopped, and he was chased after the doe again, and I lost my opportunity. And I just wanted to just throw my bow, you know. It, at the time, I threw a little hissy fit to myself, you know, like, this is... This is it. This is everything it. I worked yeah. for. This was the deer I was trying to hunt and I was in there for and I just screwed it up. And I think about that all the time. I could go back and tell you ten different things I could have did differently that it would have resulted better, but uh it's, it's part of the learning. That's a good way to think of it though, because you know, uh, here I am still talking with one I missed, and it's because I was still trying to understand I, I didn't it took me a while to figure out what the hell I did wrong. Initially I thought I didn't range it right. So then I by the way, up until this last season, I didn't have a rangefinder. So guess what I did the very next step and day? I went and bought a rangefinder. <laughs> um, so then I went back into that tree. I ranged and I said, like, no, this was like spot on. So it was an error that I did. I goofed something up. I had the right range. I thought maybe I didn't. And But then you analyze and analyze, and that's how you learn. That's how you get better. If you don't make these mistakes and analyze them, you're doomed to just keep repeating shit and not yeah. having success. So. The biggest thing for me that took me a while to learn was how to get your head out of your ass after that happens and keep going. Like I wanted to go home and I'm like, no, I took off work for this. Like I, these are my vacation days that are precious to be able to do this. I'm like, no, go find a tree and climb up there. Just whatever. Maybe it's not in the best spot, but you got to stay with it. And then the next day I had to go, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, chasing his doe around here. Maybe he's going to kind of, you know, bed her up and and get locked down with her for a few days in this area, you know, get in there and and hunt. I, I didn't see him again, but uh, I, I did it. You know, you just got to keep moving on and defeating. It it takes the wind out of your sails because you try so effing hard. You put in all this time and then you get the opportunity. You're like, you know how hard earned it was to get that opportunity. And you F it up. You're like, shit, I'm not going to get another one of these. That's how you, that's how I felt. Yeah. And, and, and it is, it's so, and I can't say like, I can't say that I would have made that, like I would have been, I would have been able to recover that fast, even a few years ago. I mean, every year I feel like I get a little bit better with it, just trying to learn from those mistakes. And, and what I've learned from doing my podcast and talking to people is even the best hunters make a lot of mistakes, but what they do differently than the people that aren't as successful is they recover from it. And, and that's, you know, it's, staying in the game you know totally so okay let's um i want to hear your most memorable hunt and and you know i i'm curious to hear because you've had some like you talk about the adventure side of things and i think crossing a river with dragging that buck out and tying it to yourself like getting into cold water and getting up to your waist deep i i love the adventure more than the hunt we talked to aaron snyder what a month or two ago or something and you talk about adventure hunting that guy's like the the creme de la creme and I am obsessed with the adventure, the, the like offbeat trail, like blazing trails. I, that stuff to me is indelible. I prefer that because that's where memories are made. You're never going to forget getting to that river ever. No, like ever. But if you didn't, if you took like some easy drag or whatever, like eh, maybe less memorable, right? Just in contrast to that. So anytime you can up the ante in that sense, I'm all for that stuff. Greg's like, oh, you're going to follow me into this Tamarack swamp? I'm like, uh, yeah, dude, it's going to be way more fucking memorable. Like, that's what I want. By the way, I care less about the deer as I do for the adventure. So, like, the time week I can fall up to my ass and muck, 
Um, that's what I'm after, by the way. So, because that's funny. Like, I, I've gotten stuck, literally stuck in the mud before, and, like, gut... N- that wasn't the problem. The problem was I was going to bust my gut from laughing so hard because it was such a ridiculous situation. Um, so forever that's worth, man, I'm excited to hear your most memorable hunt. All right. So first I do want to, I want to say one thing about getting stuck in mud. So I had, I had a, um, a hunt. It was two years ago. I was coming out in the dark and it was pouring down rain and I was just walking my headlamp and there's a bunch of old gas wells in that area. And I don't know if, if there's, if that's, prevalent where you guys are at but in pennsylvania there's a ton of old gas wells and around these old gas wells they didn't used to take care of them the way they do now so there's like you know old pipes and it's kind of mushy and you know mucky around there well i didn't see it because it was raining so hard and my headlamp wasn't working great and i stepped down and i stepped into this what looked like i mean even afterwards the next day i went back and it looked like solid ground because it was all covered in leaves and I instantly sunk right up to my armpits in this muck. And I threw my bow out. And I, I really think the only reason I kept kind of a float sort of deal was my backpack was so big and it was kind of holding me up. And I and every time I moved, I kept going deeper. And I got up to right about my neck. And I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm just going to sink in this muck and no one's ever going to find me. So I just kind of... I just breathed a few times and settled down. I reached behind me and there was a, a branch that was coming out from a, a tree on the bank. So obviously right next to the bank and I was able to grab it and it took me probably five or 10 minutes before I was able to, to pull myself out and I was just soaked and then I had to figure out how to get my bow out. So I got a big long stick and pulled it and everything was just shit coated with stuff. And, and I smelled like, like gas and mud and everything else. It was terrible. But um, yeah, that just made me think of that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's memorable now and everyone laughed at me afterwards, but it was scary during the, the moment. It is scary. <laughs> I was in the Nicolet National Forest night. Yeah, I was young. I had a tree sitting on my back, the one that my, yeah, the one you hate. Uh, <laughs> I stepped, it was wet. The I was one like, that needs to be hung on I, the wall. I take this step on this log, full well knowing, like I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna step on this log because this is, looks like an easier path. But like the second my boot hit this log, my Mickey Mouse boots, by the way, which weigh like ten pounds a foot, um, whoop, right up I go, boom, onto my back, and uh, lo and behold, my tree stand, like I was like, oh my god, I'm like a turtle, like it got wedged, and I was like stuck. You know, I'm holding my gun. I got, I was like gun hunting and I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm stuck here. So I just took a moment and laughed by myself. I'm like, well, if this were anywhere else, someone would be laughing at me because they would have seen this happen, but there's no one around. So I'd like, you know, get myself off of my tree stand and then get up and then take the tree stand out and put it back on and, you know, continue on my way. But God, the, the idiotic things that happen in the woods, man, <laughs> that people don't really see or talk about. Yeah. Oh, Yours is a little bit more so- scary. That's life threatening. Mine was like a total ego, you know, slam. Yeah. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a lot where I twist my ankle every day. Um, the term that, the um, how do I want to put this? The, the term that everyone uses for it is little bitch ankles is what they say I have. And, um, so my, I, I sprained my ankles oh, yes. back in high school playing sports and, and it just give out all the time. I don't even notice it. Justin, my camera guy, when he follows me around, he said, it looks like, he said my knee slaps the side of the ground sometimes when it rolls and just 
he comes because I, I just learned to kind of roll with it and he's like you just you just keep going like you don't even like act like it happened and i'm like oh, i don't even really notice it anymore but um anyways i'll i'll get into my most memorable hunt story so um as far as it you know with that adventure in mind and like that talking about that i love those types of experiences and for me i i had elk hunted for three years without killing anything and I, I was at a camp this past weekend and a guy when they asked him how many years of elk hunting experience he had he said 30 days he goes that sounds better than saying three years you know <laughs> but um so anyways i had elk hunted probably i don't know well over 30 days total in over three years and didn't kill an elk and and this was the first hunt i was ever going to have filmed i went to idaho and first time meeting justin and he's like, all right, now I picked the spot out on, on the map. And I was like, how, you know, it looked good. And, but so have some of my other spots I thought looked good, you know, I'm an experienced elk hunter. And, and, uh, the first morning of the hunt or the, the first afternoon of the hunt, we walked in and got up to the spot and I heard a bugle coming from the area I had marked. And I was like, oh, no way. Like that is that is so cool. Like I, that's basically where I had a spot marked and I heard a bugle. So in the morning we're going to come back in there and the hike was from where my truck was to get up there where we were camped at was 2,500 feet elevation gain. And so it was, and I was like, I want to be up at this meadow before first light. And then I'm like, well, we're going to test out Justin right off the bat here and myself as far as getting up there and we hiked up and, and through this avalanche shoot and it was terrible hiking. Justin was awesome right there. Never complained, never no, nothing. As soon as we get there, it just starts breaking light and you can see the, like the, the sunrise coming up over the mountains. I'm like, man, this feels good to, to be back out West. And, and uh, ne- next thing you know, we see a, a tan body coming across this meadow and it was um, this, just incredible bull. I mean, it was a big herd bull and um, he went by us at like 110 yards. There's nothing, nothing we could do. He was just out of range and he was heading to, he went to bed right where I heard that bugle come from the night before. And so I'm like, all right, let's go over on the other side, you know, in case any more elk come through so we could shoot to that spot that he walked. But we'll wait until the thermals are kind of settled and I'll try to get into his bedding area and try to call him and, you know, basically piss him off to get him up out of bed and, and hunt him. But we moved over to this spot and, and, and like I said, so I had the spot marked on Onyx and it was, uh, I, I sent it to my hunting partners back in March as a joke. And I wrote hundred percent bull down. And I was just like, just being cocky to them, just laughing. Like, cause obviously it didn't work any of the years prior and uh all of a sudden up on the saddle i saw some elk coming up over and they're heading down to the meadow i'm like no way you know so we hurried up and i ran down to the to the edge of it there and here comes some cows out across the meadow and then a spike bull and a satellite bull so a nice five by five that was coming out behind them and so they get out and they move in front of us and i hit my range finder of 60 yards and so I, I dialed in my, my, I shooting a spot hog. It's a double pin movable slider site. And I moved, I set it to 60 and it, it was perfect in the wide open, everything you could ask for. And all of a sudden 
I feel the wind hit me in the back of my neck and the cow whirls around and takes off and all the elk go back into the, the timber. And I'm just like, no, you know, that was my one opportunity. I just screwed it up, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm like, I didn't even know what to do, you know? So I was sitting there and I'm like, you'd never be able to catch them to beat them up to that saddle. If they're heading back that way, they're just, they know the mountains way better than, than I do. And so I sat there and they came right back out in the same spot with more cows they were coming down and they walked up so they must not have got a good whiff of me must have just i don't i don't really don't know and they came out same trail again range 60 yards to the dot and the the five point at this point was way behind and the spike was up closer and i kept ranging that spike and justin said afterwards he's like i thought you were going to shoot that spike and i said i was He's like, he's like, but that bigger bull was behind us. And I didn't care. I wanted a bull. Like that's, that was my goal, you know? And well, anyways, I ended up waiting for this other bull to come out and I, I drew back and settled my pin. Well, when I say settled, it was just shaking back and forth. And I was just trying to, I'm just talking myself through it and, and trying to get through the shot process. And I released the arrow and uh, I, I hit him, but I, I didn't know. I heard a loud whack. And to me, that sound, the sound I heard sounded like a front shoulder on a whitetail. And I'm like, you know, this, this isn't good. Um, and then all of a sudden the bull runs out about 60 or 70 yards and turns. And I see the big blood spot right on his side. And and he just wobbles and falls right over in the, the middle of this wide open meadow. And I just absolutely lost it at that point like i was just after all that time trying so hard to to kill an elk with my bow and and just it was the basically the first morning of the hunt we were supposed to be there for 14 days and um and i was there with um two of my really good buddies my one's my cousin one's my lifelong friend and they were hunting in a different spot so i texted them for my in reach and was like hey you know pull down and this is where I'm at. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll be right there to help. Not knowing they were in a completely different drainage. And they came up and another guy that we met there um, where we were camped at from Ohio, John, they all came up to, to help out. And that was, that was the coolest part to have all of them there, everybody there to help out and pack out the bull, carried it all down and, and one load down to the truck. And it was, it was a really it was all downhill, but it was really tough on your knees having that weight on there and everything. But like being able to do it with those guys and us just beating on each other, joking about, you know, our, our fitness levels and everything else as we were struggling. And, and, uh, it, I, the, the coolest part of that for me was one that just the long journey that it took to get to that point. And then two, um, having, you know, my lifelong friends and stuff right there with me to, to be able to help out with it was, was just awesome. Like I, I, I couldn't have wrote that script any better. And, and Justin caught it all on film and that just, you know, that memory will always, always be there. And just that's brand new place, never been to Idaho, nothing. And that was an adventure of, of a lifetime for me. It's a cool story, man. Yeah. Having, having long people, did, no, I, it's not. That's good. No, you got the details in there that just the right ones. Having the people that you care about with you is 
bar none, one of the best things ever and the willingness for them to help. Going downhill sucks, by the way, contrary to popular belief. I climbed down a volcano in Nicaragua and that was fucking terrible. <laughs> and I didn't have an elk <laughs> on my back. So like, <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. And, and the other thing was like when we got, so that was the first time I'd done a Western hunt out of a base camp at the truck where normally I'd backpacked in and set up camp. And I like both of them. They all have their own. There's, you know, you can argue there's more adventure when you backpack in cause you're in a remote place, but having that camaraderie of going back and we'd have a fire every night and eat and laugh and tell stories and be able to. The shit to, you saw that day or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, and we stayed out there the rest of the trip. Um, to help the other guys hunting and everything. And, and John killed a really big bull and, and um, Michael Mason had opportunities just there full draw and never worked out. But that, that camp aspect is like, was one of the coolest parts of that trip. And I said, I, I want to do more of that style of, you know, we have hunting camps in Pennsylvania and being able to kind of take that atmosphere out West was cool. That's awesome. Yeah, when I did the Boundary Waters, it was we didn't do base camp style. We like packed up camp every day or so, and and canoed and portaged to different camps every day or two. Um, I would much almost rather do a base camp where we're like we're setting up shop here, guys, and we're gonna go out every other day or so. Greg, your audio is still good. I know your video just chopped out. Your phone probably died, but your audio is mm-hmm. good. Um, so I I totally can like respect and relate to that type of camaraderie. That's cool. No, that's a good story. Thank you. A whole bunch. Yeah. And, you know, I know we've already shared kind of how people can find you, but uh, we'll bring the, the the plane in for a landing if you want to just rehash that real quick so folks know where to get you. I'm sure they do anyways. You're a bigger name than we are, but nonetheless, let's do our due diligence here. I don't know about that, but <laughs> if, if you want to see that story that is told there, it's over on my YouTube channel. The film is called Synergy. And Justin is very good at making me look a lot better than I am on camera. He's very, very, very talented. And, um, so that's my YouTube is just Bo Martonic, um, Instagram at bow.martonic at East meets West hunt. Um, and then really anything else that you can find is East meets West hunt.com. Cool. Fantastic. Hey, uh, for those that tuned in live, thanks for listening. And we got a few folks still hanging out here with us. Um, no calls, no, no videos pop-ins. Unfortunately, this is just a time of year. It's nice out now. It's like 70 degrees yeah. here where we're at, which is we're going to have snow next week, apparently. So uh, I know folks are out fertilizing their lawns or doing whatever they're doing. But, you know, thanks for tuning in. We're going to end a live broadcast. And this will be in podcast land tonight. As you all know, we produce the same evening that we record. So I want to thank Bo for being on the show. Bo, we'll hang out with you for a few minutes afterwards. And everybody, thanks for, for jumping in with us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me on. What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here with Deervane, and this week's tip of the week is revolving around buck bedding areas and hunting buck bedding areas. First of all, I'd like to apologize uh, if my voice sounds a little nasally. Got the sniffles right now. My son brought home a nice little cold from daycare, which uh, is really annoying. Uh, But anyway, it's not the Rona, so I appreciate your concern if you had any. Uh, In relation to buck bedding, uh, Greg Litzinger, a bow hunting fiend, lives out in Jersey, hunts PA in Jersey. He likes to target buck beds in the morning. And when I was talking to him the other day, the reason being is that if you have a buck bed, a specific bed, or maybe you got a small little group of beds that a buck will like to bed in, um, in like, you know, a 20 yard radius or something like that based on the wind. If you hunt it in the morning and he has five entry or exit trails to that bed, 
he's going to go to that bed 100%. If you hunt it in the evening, and that's regardless of the trail he takes, you know, say he takes trail three, he's still coming to that bed. If you hunt outside that bedding area in the evening, A, he's already there, so you can't get right up on him. And B, he, uh, he can take any one of those five trails out of there. So you really only have a 20% chance of catching him in the evening. Uh, whereas in the morning you'd have essentially like a hundred percent chance of catching them if he's headed to that specific bed. It's a real high risk, high reward scenario, but at the same time, um, it makes sense if you, if you're really, uh, if you have a strong belief that that buck is using that area. And yes, in the evening, you can stack the odds in your favor with food sources and wind direction and entry and exit routes from your perspective as well. But at the same time, just, you know, like I said, that buck can go to that bed specifically, or he can take those five trails out. So it's just a, a new thought that I that I was talking to Greg about, and that's a really interesting scenario because a lot of people don't don't think to hunt them in the morning. They want to try to hunt them in the evening and catch them going to that food. So I hope that helps, guys. That was a really fun episode. I also appreciate the fact that Anthony referenced a tip uh, from Greg, Greg Litzinger who is also out on that side of the country. So pretty cool. If you're out of Pennsylvania, hopefully it's a good episode. If you're from Wisconsin, you know, <laughs> it just wasn't really Wisconsin-esque episode. However, uh, we do have a very Wisconsin-esque episode coming up. If I check our calendar of our guests that are around the bend here, Mitch Baker is guesting on the show next week. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are going on with the Wisconsin DNR and the hearings and things you can do to be a voice and be heard to help um, you know, talk about what's going on there. So Mitch is going to be a great guest to talk about that. The following week, we're talking to the guys over at Field Ethos. After that, Land Trust. After that, Chris Whitley. And then after that, Alex Romando. So good lineup of guests all the way into May. I think May 18th or something. So uh, if there's anything you want to hear about or a topic you want us to chat about or a guest you want us to have on, just let us know. We'll see what we can do to at least talk about something or get someone on that you want to hear from in uh, the hunting world. And uh, announcement real quick about the Where to Hunt giveaway. We ran it for a year. We It was pretty fun. It was cool. We gave away a lot of stuff, like thousands of dollars worth of gear and products and swag and merch. Um, some really cool things for the folks that are part of the Patreon giveaway. I just went ahead and sunsetted that or canceled it. So it's officially, um, you know, offline now. Anyone that was still in there uh, has been refunded for the billing cycle for April. And we just announced on our Instagram page an Instagram live, which is now an Instagram TV piece. Our eight uh, out of the eight people we had left, we announced our four winners. Everyone that I announced won a uh, $50 Cabela's gift card. So we're going to be notifying those folks and getting those out via digital email. So Mao Yang, Ben, Andrew, Tonzin, so those are some of the folks that were called off that had won. We'll see if we spin that back up later this year or not. Really, it's a capacity thing for me, and I wasn't doing a good job with it. I wasn't doing a good job promoting it and getting products. It's kind of just been something that uh, has been a bit more of a challenge with things being busier. So that's my fault. And uh, if you guys want to see that come back, let me know. We'll do our best. Uh, other than that, that's kind of it. I know turkey hunting, at least here in Wisconsin, is right around the corner. Uh, so that's a big deal. And if you haven't been over to the OKS Hunter lately, they just dropped some new stickers. The Jake Break and the B-52 Gross. So that's kind of fun. Anyway, that's all I got for everybody today. I hope you have a good day, a great week, and hunt public. <laughs>